You're listening to episode number 27. Today, we're going to be talking about transitioning and getting ready for kindergarten. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. We are listening to an oldie but a goodie, an episode from last year again this week. I've got um, some of my favorite episodes that I'm putting up this summer uh, while I'm home with my kids, and I've got new episodes coming your way in August. This was one of my favorite episodes because I had a great time talking to my friend. Um, I interviewed my friend, Sydney Park Smith, and we were talking about getting your child ready for kindergarten. And I wanted to share this because for me, I, my son, one of the reasons why I produced this episode last summer was that my son was going into kindergarten and now he has finished. So I just thought it would be kind of fun to share. I think it's great content. If you've got a child going into kindergarten, we talk a lot about being prepared, but having just gone through it, I will say I was so worried about my son being academically ready. I was kind of shocked last summer how little he knew. He was really struggling to learn letters and numbers, and I felt like he was really behind, but a year later, I want to say to you all, he did so great in kindergarten and learned a lot and really blossomed. So as a kind of anyone who is about to put their child in kindergarten, I just want you to know that it's going to be okay. (laughs) It was okay for us, even though I was so worried. Um, But have a listen to our advice. Um, There's some great practical information on academics, but also some really great things that you might not think of just on personal hygiene, um, packing lunch, eating all the food, zippers, and and whatnot. So let's cut on over to that interview. You are one of my very dear friends, but for people who don't know you, Mm -hmm. can you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yes. So I am uh, a mom in close to my mid-40s of two young boys. Rex is six and Gus is four. And uh, yeah, Gus starts pre-K next year. Rex starts first grade. And my husband is in the military. He works for the Air National Guard. And I work part-time slash all of my time that I'm not at home at uh, Open Stage Theater. So this question is not on my list of questions to ask you. And it just came up based on something you said, Mm -hmm. but you did say that you are in your forties, which means you had kids later in your life. I did indeed. Do you feel like that changes your perspective at all on like raising your boys or being a mom or is it different if you, and I know you're obviously, you don't know the other side of it, but do you think that it does? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that it does to some degree. I mean, I'm a different person now than I was if I had been my mom's age. My mom was 24 when she had me, right? Jess yeah. just made a face at me like, oh God. <laughs> my mom was actually 22. So right. And I can't even imagine that. Like, uh, I was not capable. I, I, I was capable of getting pregnant, but should ne- never have and didn't. Um, so I think there's like the like cranky old woman side of me that's coming out now with kids where I'm like, I don't have patience for that. And also like this very grounded, I really don't care about what other people think of 
um, how I'm raising my kids or how I live my life. And I think part of that has to do with being over 40 and being, you know, good with who I am. That is probably true because the older I get, the less I care what other people think. And I had my oldest when I was 29 and I definitely cared a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and also judged a whole lot when I was a super young mom. And now I've kind of dropped all of that. Cause I, oh, feel I still like judge. All... I judge everybody. No, no, we don't. No, we I don't. Do no, no. Um, okay. Most, mostly well, <laughs> no judging. <laughs> so the reason why I wanted to interview you is because you said you have a son, Rex, yes. who is six. And what I know is that Rex just finished kindergarten. Yes. So I want to talk today about transitioning your kid to kindergarten. And I feel like since you just finished that kindergarten year, I actually happen to have a kid going into kindergarten. I also taught kindergarten for seven years, which gives me a little bit of opinion on Uh it. But I just want to talk to you about how your first year went and what you could have done to make it better or what you did do to make it better. And what advice would you give somebody in your position a year ago? Mm -hmm. You don't have to answer all that all at once. I'm going to break it down. Okay. So um, tell me about hit Rex's first year at school or your experience with Rex during his first year's kindergarten. Rex's first year of kindergarten actually was really great. Of course, I was terrified because, you know, I'm, um, I'm a control freak. Uh, <laughs> and because he had been going to the same preschool and pre-K program, um, for three years. And so I think it was more scary for me to make that change than him. Uh, and I was very lucky in that he goes to a really great school And his teacher um, was very communicative and friendly and open. And um, so that made the transition easier. Uh, Still, the fact that, you know, um, he was going to be away from me that much was weird. And also, uh, I had that. And this, you know, this is all my feelings. Rex was like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm having a good time. I have new friends. And in my mind, I was like, should you wear elastic waist pants or can he handle the snap in the zipper? Which is totally one of the things I want to talk about at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, those are things, things like that, that freak me out. Like, you know, can he put on, of course he could put on his coat by himself, but in my freaked out brain, like what if he has trouble and no one helps him? And what if he's freezing outside in the winter? Um, uh, because I can, I can spiral out of control pretty quickly in my brain. Um, but as far as him being prepared academically, uh, I, I was lucky in where he went preschool and pre-K and they focus a lot on that sort of preparation. Um, so he knew his, his ABCs and his numbers and his colors and knew how to write his name. And one thing that I know about you and is that you guys held Rex back a year. We did. Right. So um, talk to me about that and why, and if you feel like that was a good decision. Cause um, I know that a lot yeah. of parents, especially of boys mm-hmm. get that advice Right? Like, oh, your boy might not be ready. Right. So talk to me a little bit well, about Rex's that. Rex's birthday is September sixth. So he turned, you know, turned five basically on the first day of school. And seeing where and it was something that I talked to his um pre K teacher about and it was something we'd kind of talked about all year just to see where he was at during that um during that time in school. And he wasn't ready academically he was ready. I mean, he knew all of his ABCs. He could write his name and do all of those things when he turned five. Uh, socially, he was not ready. And he did not have the independent independence to be able to take care of himself and be able to really monitor himself um, as he did by the time he started kindergarten right before he turned six. So do you think that was 
a good decision. Yes. Yes. He just, uh, he was in a really great place to start school and his independence grew and his ability to socialize and be socially responsible, I guess, in the way of being aware of, you know, what he was saying to other people and how it affected them, which I think is important. Um, and yeah, he was totally ready. He had a great year and did really well in class and was never um, afraid to go to school or any of that because his maturity was where it needed to be, I think. All right. So, so it sounds like on the whole, maybe because he overall was really prepared. Is there anything you feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't know, or I was unprepared for? Um, I'm lame because my child still does not know how to tie his shoes (laughs) because, oh dear God, that's hard. Uh, it is really really hard. I, I, I have patience for a lot of things, but after, you know, working with a kid on trying to teach them how to tie their shoes for easily 25 minutes to a half an hour, I am ready to run away. That's, that's really where I'm at. (laughs) It is. So that is one thing that we are working on, uh, right now as he goes into the first grade. Here's Uh, hoping. I, well, and I have, so from having been a kindergarten teacher and I wanted to talk about this and maybe we can just talk about it a little bit now about those things where you feel like, like tying your shoes, Mm -hmm. because I think that everybody knows. And with my kindergartner right now, I am working on letters. He's actually pretty behind on knowing letters. Uh And the, well, the, the thing that parents know, I feel like parents should know about kindergarten is that if you look at your state's requirement, they are generally pretty low. Absolutely. You can go into kindergarten really not knowing anything. My first year as a kindergarten teacher, I had a girl who came in and she didn't know her colors. Like she didn't even know the letter red. And I think that a good kindergarten teacher would be prepared for any of that. Like more than any other grade, you come in with kids who know and don't know all sorts of things. Well, something that I really liked, uh, and again, I don't know if they do this at every elementary school in the district. Um, but at the school where uh, Rex goes, they actually, before kindergarten started, uh, three days prior, they have all the kids in and they kind of do these general assessment tests for everybody. And it's not so they can put all the kids who know all of this stuff in one class. It's so that they can actually eat, um, evenly distribute kids who are at the high end of the spectrum of knowing all of these things and having all of these skills to at the other end of the spectrum where, you know, child isn't ready to leave mom and is not sure of their letters. So I thought that was really great so that they actually put them in a situation and at least Rex's teacher really put them in a situation where they actually helped each other. And it wasn't a, I know more than you thing. It was a, Hey, I know this, I'm going to help you learn this too, which was pretty great. Well, and, and so really your child can just go into kindergarten as he is, right? Uh Like it's really the teacher's job. Um, However, it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. And that's one of the things I am working my tail off on letters this summer. Like we actually have letters plastered all (laughs) over our house. Like my five-year-old can't get a snack without saying K because K is on the door <laughs> and V is on the microwave and I is on the television. And every that's time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, and what's really funny is like the 11-year-old will say K when he goes to get a snack, which is really funny. But um, so you can go in not knowing anything, but 
the whole, there's so much change that happens when you're going into elementary school that whatever you can take off their plate that might be hard is better. Yes. Well, and just learning that, I mean, at the first conference, you know, because I went to kindergarten 39 years ago. <laughs> so the learning that the curriculum now is what my curriculum was in the second grade. Yeah. Like first grade, second I mean, grade. I, they, I mean, I was reading early. I was an early reader. Um, but technically they didn't start teaching us to read, really teaching us to read until the first grade. Right. Rex left kindergarten, like reading books, like he's reading chapter books, which right. is insane to me. Right. And, and well, and, math. and the other part of that is that's totally true. And some kids are just not ready. And there is some right. research that all of these kids will sort of catch up and even out as time goes on. Yes. So, so if your child doesn't know numbers and letters, that's fine, but whatever you can work on academically is helpful. And those academics would be uppercase and lowercase letter names, uh, sounds of letters, um, numbers and mm -hmm. how to actually write Mm -hmm. numbers at least to 10 a writing numbers probably at least to 10 but eventually you you'll be tested on counting to 100 in right kindergarten. in kindergarten yes yeah. and they one of the i think one of the checkpoints was can your child count to 20 so it's starting out at the beginning of the year being able to count to 20 and then you know it goes up to 100 and things like knowing shape names. So anything, yes. if you have time and you are trying to prep for the summers, doing some of those academics is great. But the other thing Even that I was going like to activity workbooks, right. It's yes. in there. You could get them anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll link to a couple that I like in the show notes. And one skill that's really big, um, is actually connect the dots because there are so many skills involved with that. It is counting and it's addition. And it's also a huge development skill which is literally connecting dots because as, as adults, we're like, that's easy. You go to the next one. That's actually some kids in their brain development at that age don't know how to do that. And you actually have to train your brain and your body on how to make those connections. And also any handwriting might be good too. Uh, just so there are specifics. Your school may or may not teach handwriting depending on where your son mm -hmm. is going to school because a lot of teachers, a lot of schools have dropped it, but there are specific ways to make letters that make making the letter easier. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking to do something this summer to prepare your child, then a handwriting, like what we're doing right now mm -hmm. in my house. And it's because the school that my son's going to gave me the packet, yes. but we're doing like a sheet each. Well, I would say each day. Like a, once or twice a week, <laughs> we're doing a sheet. Don't lie. And then after we fill out that sheet, that's when we post the letter somewhere in the house. Okay. So that's what we've been doing. Yeah. But the other thing that I was going to talk about, besides sort of the obvious, like numbers mm -hmm. and letters and maybe shapes, I'm sure there's a couple other obvious things that I'm missing out, is skills like tying your shoes. Because when I taught kindergarten, mm -hmm. my kindergartners were all tested on being able to tie their shoes knowing their birthday, knowing their phone number, and their address. Yes. And those are things like, and it's interesting because when I first came across this, especially knowing your address and, and phone number, I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible parent. My child doesn't know my phone number. Um, uh, and I had, cause I had never even thought about that before. Right. Or, you know, my address. And it's kind of a pain in the butt I know. Oh, no. <laughs> because it is hard it to is, teach your kids. They're memorizing. Right. They're totally memorizing yes. and it, they're memorizing your phone number. Although I have one kid when I was in kindergarten and I have to think of the name of this tune. It was maybe Frere Jaca. And, 
and he was singing. He sang to me his phone number. Oh, and it was smart. like, do, 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 That's my number. I should actually quiz Rex again to see if he still remembers my phone number. Right. might not. But then I started seeing it. I took that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to teach everybody that way. No, that's smart. So even coming up with a little tune, because it is totally just memorization. But it does make you think like that's your five-year-old should probably know your number exactly because then should be able to call me yeah if you if he loses you in a store you can say hey call my mom on her phone right here's her number so um tying is tying shoes is another one of those that's really really hard i was and i had one child that eventually got my own children that eventually got it the typical way and then my second kid i had to find like some sneaky way on the internet that was like a faster i'm looking easier I'm looking that up because it's. I'll if I find that I'll find the video that I used and I'll put that in the show notes too. Because I don't, I don't want to be the mom whose child still can only wear Velcro shoes when he's thirteen. Right, that's that's where I'm living. (laughs) I don't, I don't need to be that. I don't want my kid to not be able to tie a shoelace. At some point, we all as parents need to teach our children how to tie shoes. Absolutely, it seems like an insurmountable task. But it's incredible how many parents I've run into that still haven't done it. And their kid is like 10. Yeah. And they're like, why when they're in Velcro shoes, which is crazy to me because it's actually hand eye coordination and deals in brain development. There's a lot of fine motor stuff that goes in there Mm -hmm. and it is hard, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we need to teach our kids hard things. Absolutely. And they need to try and fail and keep trying and keep trying and then feel proud of themselves. And we need to walk out of the room and take some deep breaths and walk back in. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned earlier, and we actually talked about this together another time mm-hmm. is a little bit about clothing. And <laughs> my first disclosure though, is like the same with the shoes. I have some, my thoughts on how you should dress your kid for school or, um, what your child should be able to do. Mm-hmm. But also I, this is not like dress your kid in elastic pants forever. Like that's not the advice. <laughs> just like, Everything just like elastic and stretchy. No elastic pants and Velcro. <laughs> okay. So some of these recommendations are coming from people like I've had experience with uh-huh. two kids in kindergarten. Your child just came and I was a kindergarten teacher. Um, so some of this is not about like, let's take the easy road, Mm -hmm. but it's about during the transition time, right? right? When your child is going to a new building, learning new things in a new place, what things that might feel overwhelming can you take off their plate? What's going to make their transition easier? Yeah. And I have, I actually, my five-year-old has specific requests about clothes now, which I'll talk about, (laughs) but you, why don't you start by talking a little bit about the clothing? Like, would you, what would you put Uh your son in and why? For kindergarten. So, I mean, when he first started kindergarten, it was pretty easy because it's it's still hot outside, right? So it's like mm-hmm. t-shirt, shorts. And at the time he had, you know, uh, some Keens that were Velcro. <laughs> so um, as we were getting into the winter months, it was really great because his teacher would actually send out notices like, so it's getting chilly outside. Make sure your child knows how to put on their own sweatshirt and zip it up. Right. Uh, and she actually said that she would help kids until January and a week before, two weeks before Christmas break, she actually put out a notice that said, start working with your kids now. As of January, I will no longer be zipping coats, putting on mittens, putting on gloves, putting on boots, tying shoelaces. And um, she encouraged the kids to help each other do that. 
and she would make sure that they finally would get it done, but she would not do it for them anymore. Right. Which sounds like, wow, you, what a heartless teacher, but that's not no. true, right? Because the, the deal is you need to foster independence. And if you have one or two teachers in a classroom with maybe up to 30 kids, that's right. a lot of coats. Like it's what's an more hour important? of getting them <laughs> Together, like, let's forget all about academics because we're right. zipping coats today. Exactly. Um, well, and the, so what I was going to say about clothing is that my five-year-old who's going into kindergarten refuses to wear pants with buttons. Rex had an issue with that at the beginning too. Well, and he said, I don't like those because, and he, he actually said these exact words to me was because they are hard for me to do up after I go to the bathroom. And I felt like, oh, okay. Well, then I'm certainly not going to send you in pants that you can't do up because I don't want you to have to go to a teacher when everything is new and right. ask them to button your pants or like no, wipe and there you. are so many. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> right? that's going like, to be Those are enough. some independent skills that kids need. Which is another huge skill that needs right. to be taught, which uh, maybe some people don't think about is that a child needs to be able to wipe their own bottom. Yes. Which is pretty huge. Wipe your own bottom and handle your own clothes and like forget the jackets for a minute i'm just talking mm-hmm. about like Basic being able clothing. to pull on and pull off your pants um and then my mom said and something remembering to do it only in the bathroom when the door's right. closed <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's a big thing i remind both yeah, my clothing, sons close of. the door and then flush and the, the flushing also is very <laughs> important which is forgotten a lot um but the other thing my mom mentioned and she works with special ed kids when i was saying oh one of the things i want to mention on this show is clothing mm-hmm. to make sure as you're getting re- your son ready for school that they can do all of their clothes. And that's not, that's like one less thing to stress about. And my mom who works in elementary schools and she works with special ed kids, but, um, and so she was thinking about them specifically, but I thought this was valid. She said, okay, well, uh, the stretchy pants, what happens at our school is they all pull their pants down to their knees in the bathroom. So it's about not also your child should know to go to the bathroom and just pull down the front of their pants. And see, and and you actually brought that up the other day and I've been thinking about it since. And I should ask Rex, how do you do that at school? Cause I know at home, the kid will drop his pants to his knees in the hallway right, and <laughs> waddle into the bathroom, even though I consistently say, wait till you get in there, close the door. Right. And go to the bathroom. So I'm curious now what he does at school. I need to ask him about that. And that's maybe just, and, and actually maybe that's a great point. So if you're prepping your child for kindergarten and we are kind of thinking outside of the box here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you should be working on letters, but what else? And that's why the weird we're little talking. quirky things what you are the think weird... about. So really, what are the weird quirky things you see your kid do at home and go, hmm. Picking his nose. Right. Here's, here's something fun. Uh, Rex will, um, he doesn't think anybody can see him. And I'm constantly like, get your finger out of your nose. That is not okay. You need to go wash your hands now. And um, the times when I volunteered in his class, I didn't see him do it. A lot of other kids were. So it made me feel better that my child wasn't the only nose picker, but also that there are other kids in class with that same issue. But that's something I had never thought about until he started kindergarten. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I don't even know how to break a kid of picking his nose. Or, there are some adults I don't know. Like, they're picking their nose. So yeah. what is that? I don't know. Pull up next to somebody so and stop. So that's a lot of what would be good to be thinking about as mm-hmm. your your child is getting ready for school. Is there anything else as we're talking that you're thinking about? Oh, yeah. This also happened this yeah. year. It's, 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 it's really more of the social experiment of kindergarten uh, is my child coming home with habits from other kids 
Oh, like this is a, he's, he's exposed he to a whole new world done before. He's exposed to a whole new social setting of kids whose parents allow different things than I do or don't allow things that I do. And say some kids think it's really cute and fun to speak in a baby voice as Jess just <laughs> curls her <laughs> lip and shakes her head. I um, couldn't hear my sneer. It is the, it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. And it, and I've told him repeatedly, um, I'm sure you learned that from your friends and you think it's cute and funny. I don't. And it's now after a year, he started, he started doing it like nine months ago. He's like, well, my, fr- one of my friends does it and I think it's funny. Ugh. So <laughs> I have every time he does it, I'm like, I'm sorry. I couldn't understand you. You were speaking in that voice. So when you're ready to speak to me in a, in a regular voice, come talk to me. And it is ongoing. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg of the weird little, weird little quirky quirk right. quirks. Well, just wait, this is beyond transitioning your child to elementary school. But I also feel like having gone through it twice with my older kids, about third grade is when they start talking about sex and oh, words yeah. that they shouldn't know and learning all sorts of things at school that you feel like, oh gosh, I don't, this isn't what I, I don't, I want to need to change the message here. Right. Like if we're going to start or talking they, about this, or they scrawl something in your driveway. Oh yes, <laughs> That totally happened at my house. I, <laughs> I brought out the chalk because I have like a younger kid. He's four Why? years younger. So I brought out the chalk, chalk drawing and all of the neighbors were, were doing some chalks drawing. Cause I had my five-year-old out and then the 11 year old and his friends got a hold of it and they had to scrub down um, body parts that they, they, they had to hose Charming. it down that they drew, Charming. but that was totally like the influence. Right. And it, and it's peer pressure. Absolutely. So it's really encountering peer pressure the first time and what that means, um, to your kid, because I think all kids and every human being succumbs to peer pressure. And there's something different about that change though, because Rex went to preschool. My son Gabe is, went to preschool, but the, the, elementary school aspect, like going to elementary school, I think mm-hmm. it has to do with maybe the fact that you start preschool so young and you kind of grow up with these kids that the yes. peer pressure doesn't really seem to exist until you hit elementary school. Uh-huh. Because the kids are coming, because these kids start so young and um, at, a, at an age where they're really learning the rules and how to behave. And depending on the class they're in with the teacher they have, uh, you know, the class's behavior will ebb and flow with that, right? Mm-hmm. But then you're thrown into a class with kids from all different preschools, all different family structures. Had they have they been to preschool? Have they not? Um, and it's a it's a whole different social scene. And I think also elementary school is where your child may start to revere the teacher more than they did in preschool where they sort of are like the end all and the be all is that uh-huh. your teacher knows everything. Like heaven forbid you see your teacher. Like at the grocery store or something and your child doesn't even know. Because that's, that's bizarre. They should live at the school. I don't, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Or the principal. We saw the principal once outside and my kids shut down. (laughs) Okay. The only other thing that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. is maybe awareness of the school. And in general, I think this is part of the process of starting kindergarten. So learning where everything is in the school uh-huh. and depending on your own access to the school, you might be able to walk your child to the front door uh-huh. or you might, or the, you might be able to walk your child to the front door of the school during the summer to show him where that is. Or you might be able to walk to the front door of the classroom. Like in California where I grew up, 
our classrooms were all accessible from the outside, uh-huh. but we're in Colorado right now and they're accessible from an internal hallway. Yes. So any familiarity with the school could be great. Um, absolutely. And also if you are doing the drop-off lane in a car, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Your child should know how to undo their own seatbelt, open their own door, get out and close the door behind them. That That is huge. My husband mostly does drop-offs and there are times where I think I've he, seen Rob's posts. His, he <laughs> writes so many posts on social media about the carpool lane mm-hmm. and carpool lane behavior. Like if you, if you cannot handle saying goodbye to your child with like a, I love you and letting them go, then you cannot go in the carpool lane. The carpool lane is a drop and go. It is not time for you to get out of the car, walk around, help your child put their coat on. Once they get out of the car, make sure their stuff is in their backpack. Here's, here's a big lesson to anyone who doesn't know this. You do that at home. Yeah. So by the time you're in the car and you, you are getting ready to drop them off. And this is a serious, it's big skill. Um, being able, being able to buckle their own seatbelt is a skill they should just learn early on. And that was not even on my list of things that we should recommend, but totally. And be, and you know, you of course need to check it. I mean, kids that are in booster seats, they need to be checked to make sure the seatbelt's in the right place, but they should be able to buckle their own seatbelt and unbuckle it and open the car door and get out. And if they can't, that's okay. But if your school has a carpool line and your child cannot do that independently, you may need to park. Uh-huh. Because it's not fair to the entire rest of the school or people with third and fifth graders no. who are waiting for you and your child. That's a huge point. Um, and the other thing that I was going to say just about school familiarity was, you know, playing at the playground during the summer. You could, mm-hmm. you could go take your child there. Yes. And, and the other thing that I was thinking about was lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, if you... Or if your child's going to buy lunch, talking through the lunch procedures would be great. But if your child is and bringing that will be a lunch for me ne- next year, buying lunch because Rex did uh, did half day kindergarten, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't do full day. So next year will be the first time that he has a full day at school. <laughs> and lunch, and here's something: lunch is a scary thing for me. Rex is a pretty picky eater. For lunch, he usually eats peanut butter and jelly. If you're not aware, peanut butter in school at this point in our time is not a good thing. There are so many kids that have serious, serious allergies to peanut butter. And yes, there's a part of the cafeteria where kids with peanut butter can sit and eat. I would like my child not to be relegated to a certain area. Yeah. So um, trying to get him to eat different things right now so that he can have a healthy lunch when he goes to school. And I'm not worried about if he's actually eating or going through the whole day hungry because I'm going to tell you right now, you're gonna have to let that go. So absolutely no control. But what I was going to say is that at some point before they are eating lunch at school, you need to make sure that they can open and close any containers that you might send, including something like a a juice box. Like there are juice boxes that are harder to open. The Capri Suns are terrible. Looking at you, Capri Sun. That is a challenge for even an adult to open without I've spilling. I've so or many like, holes in that. And things like Gogurt, while convenient and portable to put yogurt in, in a lunchroom situation where your child has to open Gogurt and it goes everywhere. Everyone. It might go on their clothes and that's embarrassing. So um, kind of doing a run through of lunch, making mm-hmm. sure they can open, like packing it, how you're going to pack it and make sure they can open. No, that's all. a really good idea. Of those. Yes. And I have a favorite lunchbox, which is super easy to open. Mm-hmm. Which I actually want to ask you about that Right. Lunchbox. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, because it's been, I actually, it's a little bit pricey. It's called the Planet Box. Um, and they, 
it's a it's an investment, but I bought one for my oldest when he went to kindergarten. He's entering in sixth grade, and he still uses it. And he still uses it. That's brilliant. It's so sturdy. So I feel like it's totally worth the investment. And I mean, when super we're dealing easy. with so many wastes of the world's resources, let's get right. one lunchbox instead of like one fifteen dollar one every year. Yes, for the rest exactly. of your life. that sits in a landfill. There's your public service message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that is transitioning your child to kindergarten yes and i think that some of that is valid even as they go like you know if your child doesn't know how to tie their shoes in kindergarten then move that to first grade and keep working on that we're or, working or on this that summer. this summer is there anything else that we've missed oh. do you have anything else to say about your experience having a child in kindergarten it was a lot it was a lot easier than I anticipated it was going to be. Um because he's my first child. Uh I was just I the first day of kindergarten, I looked at him and I was like, Oh, I'm so and I had tears in my eyes. I was like, Okay, Rex, I'm gonna go. And he's like, Bye, mama. Oh yeah, he was fine. And he was fine. There was never a day of him freaking out. He loved school. Um, and you know, again, very lucky with the the teacher he had and um her para like they're incredible but i think that's a good way to end it because mm-hmm. ultimately your child's going to be absolutely fine you can do none of the things that we talked about today mm-hmm. and your child will still be fine right. but if you can take a few things from what you may have heard to work on to maybe make easier. his life a little bit easier mm-hmm. then that will probably pay off for your child down the line Absolutely. Well, thank you for talking with me. Anytime, Jess. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. You can find the show notes on www.boysbuiltbetter.com. I've got some new content coming to you through Patreon. I'll link to that in the show notes. That's where you're going to find new content throughout the summer. And thanks again for listening. 